Hey guys, it's Max Miller, Zach Zary, and Oakley Rose. Welcome to a well-placed cuss. Hello and welcome back to a well-placed cuss. It's just me and Max on another Zoom call, episode 41. Max, for uh, getting this one out uh, pretty late for us recording it, but uh, we got it. We had to grind it out. Um, first and foremost, uh, how, how was the Grey Cup, man? Very exciting game. It was. It was. It was. Um, and you're right. We are. We are re- recording this late, and we're recording it very early in the week too. Um, so before I get into CFL, I'll go into another Canadian Football League, Zach. Huskies are going to the Vanier, and you're going to be on a 30-hour bus ride to London, Ontario, coming uh, tomorrow night. So uh, how you feeling yeah. for that? Um, Not mentally prepared. I just know somebody who's going to fucking take a shit three hours in, and it's going to be miserable in that bus. So I'm not, not excited at all. Yeah, we um we saw Laval get in, beat beat Western. Um Western's been the powerhouse in the league for like how many years now? Oh, they're always good. Yeah, they're, they're <clears throat> they've always just been a staple in university football. But uh, so it'll be Laval versus the Huskies. Make sure you cheer on the Huskies. Go watch it uh, on YouTube and um Oh no, it's yeah. on CBC. It's on CBC. It'll be actually on the TV channel. It'll have a better stream than what it was in the AUS and Nova Scotia. It'll actually be on the TV and good quality, good announcers, good everything, good production. So yeah, just tune in on CBC, CBC Gem, and uh, watch the game. I think it's one o'clock, twelve o'clock, sometime over there. So. Yeah, Saturday. we're excited. Uh, football season is coming. At least Canadian football season is coming to an end on uh, on both fronts. But uh, I'm sure it'll be a good game, and hopefully Huskies can capture the Vanier that they sh- fell slightly short of last year. But mm-hmm. yes, Zach, the Grey Cup was an absolutely outstanding experience. Anyone who watched it, um, you know, to a lot of people's surprise, including mine. Toronto Argonauts are the 2022 CFL Grey Cup champions. No one saw the outcome of that game coming, and no one saw how that was going to come up play. Like, just how everything in that game was going to come up play. Like, that was insane. You know, we talked about this. Um, The first half was quite a snooze fest. You know, you got to expect that with the cold conditions and unfamiliar territories. It is the Grey Cup. I'm sure guys have the jitters. And um, they came out at halftime and a couple of big plays, a couple of, couple of touchdowns on both teams. Both offenses looked good. And, um, you know, it was no longer just a defensive battle. And it came down to the stretch. And, you know, we saw we saw Janarian Grant get that punt interception or punt interception punt return touchdown that holy cow that was that the stadium pop for that was absolutely incredible like it was beyond it was one of the loudest things i've ever heard like let's just say that and it was uh it was just a ridiculous ridiculous play Shows you what special teams, how special team, and how important special teams is in Canadian football, and we'll get back to special teams later on in the ga- later on in the game. But at this point, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are up by um, are up by nine, and uh, Toronto comes back down the field and they get that field goal. The Toronto defense makes a crucial stop and uh, forces Winnipeg to punt. Toronto gets the ball. And uh, who else but Mr. <clears throat> Mr. A.J. Ouellette gets a crucial touchdown for the Argos to give them that one-point lead. Actually, Boris Beattie gave them that one-point lead with the, uh, with the extra kick. So shout-out to him. There's always a lot of pressure put on, punt, put on kickers, but uh, Beattie showed out. And again, we'll get to Legio. 
But after that, Winnipeg went down the field and they didn't get very far. Let me just say that. Zach Caleros, egregious throw. I'm sorry. <clears throat> but down the stretch like that, it is that was bad. That was bad. And Enoch Muamba has the biggest play of his career, biggest play of that game, arguably, and gets that crucial interception. Toronto doesn't make too much of it as they go for the field goal. Boris Beattie takes a sweet time getting that kick in. And Winnipeg blocks the field goal. Now, that pop was just as loud as Janarian Grant. That was crazy. So it stays a one-point game. Winnipeg's got some momentum coming down the field. They hit a clutch throw to Greg Gallington along the sideline, who was playing and actually had a bigger role than I would have thought. But uh, Winnipeg's offense is is marching. They get into field goal territory. And Toronto then blocks that field goal. That was... That was one of the craziest outcomes. And so I'll give you a bit of backstory. Me and my brother were not trying to get in with the traffic. So at the last five minutes, we were slowly moving throughout the stadium, trying to get to the gate that that, that we were exiting, but always looking at the next play. So the play would happen, and then we'd quickly make a little run for it, and then we'd have to stop and look at the next play and quickly run and run until we eventually got to uh, our exit. And then when we got to the exit, that is when the two-block field goals happen. And it was just absolutely electric. As soon as Toronto got that last block, I screamed and ran out of that stadium because I did not want to deal with those drunk people. But it was it was an incredible experience to be in that atmosphere. It was awesome. The game itself was awesome. I I hardly remember it, but it was it was just amazing in the definition of what uh, CFL football really is. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you covered a lot of the game right there. Um, yeah, from a fan that was sitting on T uh TV watching on TSN, I thought like actually, I thought TSN did a great job putting together video packages and edits and stuff like that. Bo Levi killed it. Uh, him and Lapalise were together. They killed it. The normal crew killed it. Um, I thought the production was great. Um, the game as I. Uh, as you mentioned, was kind of a snooze fest in the first. Some big plays. Boris Beatty was only was two for four in the first half. I think that like if, if Winnipeg wins, I, f- I feel like we would remember that a little bit more. He was two for four in the first half. Um, what else? Happened? I actually didn't Dal- know that it was that bad. I did, I thought yeah. I thought I thought he only missed one in the first. That's not a great. No, he was two that's not for a great four. percentage to have. Um, Dalton Schoen kind of had a drop ball there. I mean, and then we go into the second half. AJ Olette scores right off the bat. Um, uh, what's it? Brandon Banks gets like it takes a costly like fifteen yard penalty. Um, what else happened? That rookie O line or uh, D lineman on the on the Argos who ended up getting the block kick. I'm blanking on his name. He's a Canadian kid. He it was third down, and he gets Caleros, but it was a face mask, so they kept the drive going, and then he gets his redemption with the big block kick. Um, that was Robbie Smith. Yeah, Robbie Smith. Thank you. Give him some credit. I mean, that game was insane. Um, what what other big plays were there? It was just a back-and-forth slugfest. I mean, the CFL Great Cup game is always a good game. I actually don't remember the last time it was a bad game or, like, a non – like, it's always a good game no matter what happens. Unlike even the Super Bowl, I feel like we get some bad games. Like, last year's game wasn't great. year before that wasn't – like, you know what I mean? So oh, No, the, the worst Super Bowl I think ever, ever was the Pats versus the Rams – yeah, like th- those weren't good games, and like CFL games are always so great, so it's good to see it, Max. But just you break down your experience too. Like I know you went there, kind of got to your seats. There was the pregame per- performance. You you were sitting beside Zach Claros's family, um, the halftime show, um, 
like if there's any other memorable plays as well. And I just want to say, we should have bet hit heads on the damn coin toss, and we should have bet on a punt or kick return touchdowns. And if there was going to be a rouge in the game, we're dumb. We literally knew it. We literally knew it, and we didn't. We didn't know <sighs> about it. We we that we really should have like we we predicted it so far ahead. We really should have gotten the rouge. The rouge was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, it was a wasn't it? I said it was like plus money or something, or the it wasn't like the the odds were great for rouge in Canadian football. Oh, I know, but, but um, yeah, but yeah, break break down your experience for me here, for sure. So um, well, we went and. Uh, me and my brother, we went. We parked uh, fairly far away from the stadium. We got a got a probably like probably like half mile, honestly. Got a quick um. Got a quick beer in us. Had a had a couple of those throughout the game, but got to our seats and you know I see I see these I see this uh this beautiful woman walk down. Two kids and uh two older people, all wearing. All wearing Caleros jerseys, which you know isn't out of the ordinary, but it's where you just see a whole group of people with the exact same jersey. And um, I get a, and then I look at the wife's toque, and the toque has an eight on it, which is Caleros's number. And I thought, I thought that was weird because it doesn't really happen in the CFL a whole lot. Like you can, it can maybe, maybe be more in the NFL, but CFL that kind of apparel isn't really worn unless. You really, unless you're a family member of that player. And uh, so I looked up Zach Caleros' wife and uh, I looked up his parents and his wife was right there with his kids and uh, his parents as well. But I don't even think the game had started at, at, at this point yet. And Zach Caleros' uh, kids started crying. And then I, I think his wife was just like, it was, it's too cold. It's too cold. So they went up into uh they went up into the box wherever they went, but his parents actually stayed down uh at the seats. But it was really cool to it was really cool to see that and experience that at least for the small time that I did. And uh what else? Oh yeah. And then the pre the, the pregame show. It wasn't bad. I was really just waiting for football to start, to be honest with you. I really just one. wanted that to be over with. I'm like, cool, not bad, not great. I just want to. I'm here. For, I'm here for football. They had the one song I was bopping to, the Valley, and then I added it to my playlist, and I was like, bopping to it that <laughs> night. But... I'm sure they're fine. Like they didn't. They weren't <laughs> bad. But like I said, wasn't there for music. Wanted <laughs> to watch some football. And then the so went through the first. Uh, went through the first half. Like like we said, not super exciting, but uh, it was a lot colder than expected. It was not minus two. I don't care what the weather said. It was like minus twenty, at least where we were sitting. It was so cold up there. And um, behind us, we had uh, we had an area like they that had doors you'd walk in. It was heated that you could get like food and drinks at and stuff. So as soon as the first half ended, and um. Tyler Hubbard, Jordan Davis, and John Ross. I'm not sure if that's their names correctly or not, but those were the guys who did the halftime show. I didn't know anyone. I didn't know who Tyler Hubbard was until Zach's like, oh, he's the one half of Florida Georgia line. So I was like, oh, that guy. Okay, I still don't care. And the halftime show was happening. Me and my brother, we went right up, and we stayed in that warm box until it was over. I briefly ducked out. To listen to some of um, "Cruise" by Florida Georgia Line, and that that was the only song I knew that was happening. And one of my biggest critiques, actually, with that is the was the placement of the stage. They had it placed on top of the the uh, Pip Pilsner section at uh, at Mosaic. I thought that was really dumb because when you put it in the middle of the field, like it normally is. It gives everyone the exact same type of view. You know, you might be better off if you're right in the middle rather than back. But I mean, that's that's where you bought your ticket. But they put it right up at the at the top of Pilsner so that the people at the opposite end zone, the people at the at the north end zone could not see any anything happening at the south end zone. They could only really see the Jumbotron. That was their only 
That was the only real like experience with that. And where we were like, everyone had to turn their necks the entire time to watch the people at Pilsner just had to turn their entire bodies around to watch. Like it was, I mean, it's not, it's not a big deal. I was just, I was just wanted the football to happen again. I didn't want to listen to any music. So I was in a grumpy mood that I had to listen to music in the first place, but I just thought that was a really terrible design technique. Um, but the halftime show was fine, I guess. Again, I don't, I don't it, care. They they looked no. so cold up there, though. They looked it, like they were dying of frostbite. It was like, like a solid like five out of ten for me. Like, I only knew one song that was played. That's not a good sign for a halftime show. Like, like in CFL, CFL brings some bangers. I don't want to hear it. They bring good artists, and I actually like know probably every song. That's being sang most of the time. The only song I knew was Windows Down and Cruise. And like everybody popped for that one. And then it was dead. <laughs> it was no, I know. It was it was almost awkward. Like it was I didn't like I it at all. He, he, I forget <laughs> who it was. Somebody tried to get the fans to sing the lyrics and nobody knew. And like, <laughs> Like it was so bad. It was so awkward. Was oh like, my god! I was yeah. That was certainly not the highlight of the game. Like that's <laughs> that that's what I'll say about the halftime show. Um, but the atmosphere was was great. By the way, as soon as I stepped foot into that stadium, I was immediately cheering for Toronto. As soon as I stepped foot in that stadium and every Saskatchewan fan was just cheering for Toronto, fuck Winnipeg. There were signs that were saying like anyone but Winnipeg. Like they just, no one wanted that. And uh, I was like, you know what? I can get on board with that. Let's go Toronto. So that was my mindset going into the game. And uh, so unfortunate for Zach Kalaros' parents. I was not cheering with them, but there was a very, very small amount of bomber fans too. That's one thing I have to add is there were a there it was I would say like percentage wise, it was like fifty percent bomber, thirty-five to forty percent Saskatchewan, and then like ten to fifteen percent Argos. And I mean, I don't think that's a huge surprise, but there were there were like the very few Montreal or BC fans or whatever. They were just kind of sad. They were the only ones dressed in orange or the only ones dressed in maroon. And um but everyone was repping everyone was repping their home team, which you which you like to see. I mean, it would be weird to not see the odd Hamilton jersey coming out of a gray cup. But uh what was I saying? Sorry. Talking about you cheering for Toronto, which I may add, I was too. And I had money on Winnipeg, and I was still cheering for Toronto. <laughs> it was wild. I was like, I was like, like I don't know. And I thought I was gonna be rooting for Winnipeg too, but like it must be that inner Saskatchewan blood in us because I was rooting for Toronto, and I was like, I wanted to see the underdogs. I mean, you saw the emotion on Sean Oakman's face, Brandon Banks's face. He knocked Chad him over. Kelly. Yeah, Chad Kelly. How did we not mention Chad Kelly? Yeah, I don't. I t- I totally I totally skipped over Chad Kelly. Yeah, but like Henock Mwamba's speech might have been like like I actually like I I didn't tear up, but like I got goosebumps, goosebumps, like an emotional watching that speech. One of the greatest speeches ever. But I, I don't know how we didn't mention future Saskatchewan Rough Rider Chad Kelly. <laughs> Zach thinks that um, and I mean I I I don't I don't necessarily disagree, but. Zach thinks that Chad Kelly fits the culture and he wants if if Fajardo's not coming back, Chad Kelly would be a good uh good replacement. And I'm not, I don't necessarily disagree with that. I like Chad Kelly. He has a he has a very similar playing style to Fajardo, that's for sure. But um But I mean that was really my great cup experience. Like it was amazing. The fans were great. Like that was one thing. Didn't meet a single asshole. Every single fan I bumped into, oh sorry, but oh yeah, oh yeah, oh the good Canadian boys polite and well-mannered but uh i had a great time and it was a once in a lifetime experience hope uh if you're a fan of canadian football and football in general and you live in canada or don't and you live somewhere else come to a great cup it's an outstanding experience yeah that's definitely um, 
definitely on my bucket list to go to a great cup. And I mean, I do want to point out that the ratings were up like 6% from last year, peaked at like 8.3 million people or, or 8.4 million people were watching the great cup. Like they, like the, the numbers this great cup did were really, really good. And that's, that's what you love to see. And hopefully Randy Ambrosi was not getting love in Regina at all. Hopefully he can take this and run with it. And I did see on Twitter, um, I don't know if this is a rumor or something, but the CFL was like looking to get like a four-year deal in the States. That would be like a massive, massive deal. I, I didn't look too much into it. I kind of briefly went over it, but you know, like this is good, like good news for the CFL. Absolutely. No, they CFL, that's the thing. CFL has the players. Hell, they have the name talent. I mean, we've had Vince Young come up here. We've had Terrell Owens come up for for a, a tryout with the Riders, I remember. We've had Ocho Cinco talk about how there's a lot of talent in 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 CFL. And like we have that recognition, we have the star power, we have these names. Like Cameron Wake came from the CFL. There's a handful of guys in the NFL that came from this that that came from the CFL. Warren Moon came from the CFL. Jeff Garcia came from the CFL. Like I can go on and on and on. There's tons of amazing guys. And the CFL has that star power. It has the talent. It has every single tool they need. The only tool that they don't have right now is the exposure. They need marketing. That. And so yeah. getting deals like this and expanding into the US, you know, remain remain loyal to Canada and make that your top priority. But getting these other countries involved and it's just these other networks just grows the just grows the league. And I'm 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 stoked to see that. Yeah, for sure. Dude, we gotta go to a great we gotta go to a great cup game together. Go on a trip. That'd be that would be awesome. Something. I'd do that for sure. Yeah. Um but uh, is there anything else other than Chad Kelly? I got balled out, comes into the game. I think TSN turning point rips the ball around, leads Toronto back to come back. Guy's a free agent. I, I think he's uh, or I don't know if he is. I think he's either a free agent or has one more deal or year on his deal. Guy's coming to Saskatchewan. He's coming to Saskatchewan. I Five see- minutes of work. He's coming to Saskatchewan. As soon as Chad Kelly got that 22-yard run first down, I turned to my brother and said, that man is getting a bag this offseason. And I th- yeah. I, I think he is. Because CFL, or um, Chad Kelly, he's got that talent. He's, he's, he, was, he, was, he was getting talked about. He was getting scouted while in the, while in the NFL. And, you know, he had some unfortunate off-the-field legal issues. Uh, which made him had to come up, come up north, recognize his talent, and uh, you know who knows where this journey might might lead him. But it's the beauty of the CFL, truly, it is, is giving these players. I mean, Sean Oakman, another another great case. You know, he's had he's had you know tr- tr- troubled legal issues uh, off the field. You know, false um false allegations thrown his way, but he's worked and he's worked and he's worked his fucking ass off. To be put back in this position, to be back on the field, back on the gridiron, and um, you know, you and you, you could see that off of their off running down their faces with those tears and the the excitement and the emotions and the joy that they felt from finally the the accumulation of all of this time and effort finally being put in and paid off, and it was it's fucking beautiful to see, and that's what you love. A hundred percent. But uh, I think that wraps up our Grey Cup talk, unless you got anything else to add, Max. No, just go to a Grey Cup. That's 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 your PSA for this episode, is go to a Grey Cup. I like to hear it. I like to hear it. Okay. Now a word from our sponsor, BetStamp. All right. Yes, as Zach mentioned, we are diving into our BetStamp ad. So some of you might be asking what BetStamp is. BetStamp is one of the best betting tools that any gambler can use, whether you're new to the game or a veteran. I promise you that BetStamp can help you out. Do you like money? I know you like money. Everyone likes money. BetStamp really helps save you money. 
what they do is they give you all the best odds for the bet that you want to make, whether it's money line, whether it's parlay, whether it's player prop, anything, that, any kind of bet that you want to do on essentially any kind of sport and anyone in any kind of league that you want to do, including the CFL, which is which is really big. They have you hooked up. They give you all of the odds, all of the best um, odds that all the sports books carry for that uh, significant bet. And it gives you an awesome outreach into these different sports books. It makes it super easy to set up accounts. And um, when you go download uh, BetStamper, you know, use their website, but I do download, I do recommend their application. It gives you the best use out of their service. Use code WPC and uh, help us out. That would be greatly appreciated. We want to continue this partnership and uh, you doing that would be great help. So thank you, BetStamp. And uh, we'll get right back into it, Zach. Don't normally don't normally do these kind of things uh live, but we're getting more comfortable doing the ad read, so I thought I'd give it a shot. But uh but yeah, we're not done talking about football, folks. We moved we've gone from the collegiate level, we've gone to the Canadian, and now we will go to the NFL. And it has been a uh quite a chaotic week in the NFL, honestly. Zach, give me a give me your take on what the on what the charges have been looking like. Um yeah, interesting week for the Chargers. They fall again to the Chiefs on a last-minute touchdown by Patty Mahomes. Travis Kelsey has three touchdowns. I have a lot of opinions. We could do a whole damn hour 30 episode of me talking Chargers, but uh, I'll, I'll keep it short and sweet. The offense, the team looked good. Um, With Mike Williams back for the two series that he played, and – Keenan Allen looked very good with the limited snaps he played. Um, Jesus, Justin Herbert looked unbelievable with his two receivers back, with his right tackle back. It's so unfortunate Mike Williams went down. Who knows how long he's going to be out for. Keenan looks good. Hopefully he goes on a full pitch count here in the upcoming weeks. Um, I'm fortunate to see more players on the defense get hurt. But again... Just like uh, the first meeting between these two teams, I think the Chargers were the better team, and that's not me being biased. I I genu like I genuinely believe they were the better team. Um, I think they outplayed them. Uh, Patrick Mahomes does what he does on that last drive, but I do I must say, if you watch the video of that last drive, Chargers had him pinned deep, and uh, oh, what's his name Mont that. Scadley, oh, how do you pronounce his last name? Vanta Scadley. MS, I'll just call him M- MVS. I'll call him MVS because I can't pronounce Valdez his name. Scantling. Thank you. He clearly pushes off on Bryce Callahan right in front of the Chargers bench. Chargers bench freaks out. No flag. Keeps the drive moving. If it's the offensive PI, who knows? Maybe the Chiefs convert on third down. Like they did, that was the Chargers' kryptonite. I would love to see the stats on how many third-down conversions they had because it seemed like every third-down they were getting a big playoff, which hurt the Chargers. I mean, if the Chargers could have stopped them on third-down, that would have been, I guess, they would have won the game, obviously. Third-downs were their downfall on both sides of the ball. But And even after the game, Bryce Callahan went up to MVS and was like, that wasn't a push off, kind of like joking. And MVS just looked at him and smiled. He was like, nah. And he like he like basically was saying he knew it was a push off. He knew he got away with it. And then also just like defensively, Derwin James locks down Travis Kelsey. No offense to Asante Samuel. He's been great this year. He's he's tiny. Why are we having him against Travis Kelsey? And Kelsey gets two touchdowns, including the game winner. Didn't make any sense to me. Um, I know a lot of Chargers fans are freaking out. It's not looking good for the playoff hopes. I mean, five and five, not great, especially in a very competitive AFC conference. But uh, hey, I liked how this team played. I like how they competed. They put themselves in in, in good situations. And and remember, this is a team without Joey Bosa, without J.C. Jackson, without Rashawn Slater. With a with, without basically Mike Williams, half of Keenan Allen essentially. Um, you had Nasir Adderley break his thumb, Kenneth Murray, a starting linebacker, without your like interior defensive lineman. 
So, I, how many times do how many how many times have I said this? The Chargers healthy or deadly team, but uh, they can't get past the injury bug, and uh, that'll end my little rant that I've been going on. Max, how about how about the Steelers? Another news. Well, um, the Steelers played a good game. They really did. They lost 30-37 against the Bengals, but they played a hell of a game. They were I was I was quite happy with how they played. Kenny Pickett looked solid. He did. But more importantly, that offensive line actually looked uh looked really good. They gave up a couple sacks to Trey Hendrickson, you know, understandable, fine. He's uh he's an all-pro kind of guy. But Najee Harris almost got a hundred a uh, hundred yards uh rushing on the ground. Kenny Pickett had a couple of had a couple of successful runs there in the offensive line. They just looked they looked more intact. And against against the against the Bengals defensive line, that certainly certainly I would say top 15 in the league. And so I mean I was I was I was happy with how they did. But, um George Pickens has been a really, really solid rookie wide receiver. He got I think 83 yards and a touchdown against the Bengals. Had a good game. But one player that I'm just I'm not concerned about, but I'm just a bit saddened that he's not performing as well as he is, is Deontay Johnson. And I this is this is really like hurting him as, as well because like he doesn't he doesn't uh he signed this one year contract with Pittsburgh because he thought that he could have another great year and get paid even more money when he could have taken this 1100 yard season taken a much longer extension for maybe a smaller amount than he would than he would have taken if he put up another another 1100 yard season and this is a plan that kind of maybe backfired on him he has i think just uh, i think he has close to 500 yards after 10 games played and that's not very good for uh, for a guy of his caliber. You know, he's getting he's getting out outranked by by George Pickens. George Pickens is arguably wide receiver number 1 now and Pat Fryermuth is becoming a reliable tight end. He's becoming Heath Miller 2.0 and you know, I just I don't know if I think De- De- Deontay Johnson is gone regardless this season, but where, wherever he goes, I want him to succeed. I really actually quite like him and I think he's a good decent player. But I do I do wonder if this plan of his backfired. But defense looked good. TJ Watt looked good. He had a half a sack and an interception. He shared that with Alex Highsmith. Levi Wallace has been looking really good this season at secondary. Um and so there's there's not a whole lot of negatives I can say about the game, you know. Defense still gave up a lot of touchdowns and that secondary, you know, gave up a lot of yards to uh to T. Higgins, but I thought I thought that uh, I thought the offense in particular, which is the most important aspect of the Steelers at the moment, looked really good. And Kenny Pickett looked like he might have finally started to get some of that some of that swagger back and some of that confidence back. So we'll see what he does. But I'm kind of glad they lost. I'm not gonna lie because they're not gonna yeah. do anything this year. I just want them to get a high draft pick. That's all I want. Speaking of high draft picks, the Detroit Lions have the Rams first round pick, they could have like two top five picks. Two top no, I know. Seven picks. Like, that's crazy. Also, we must say, the 49ers, Max, I, th- I think we can admit, they are scary. They're the oh, best yeah. team in that division. That oh, yeah. team is clicking right now. Scary thing to watch. Um, Other NFL news, I mean, it's, it's very close. I mean, we had Dallas absolutely stomped the Vikings. The Vikings are like the weirdest eight and one team. Eagles make a last second comeback against the Colts. Um, yeah, I mean, I think those were the major storylines. Unless there, unless there was something major that I'm completely missing right now. No, but there's a couple of there's a couple of things I want to mention about the Broncos right now. The the first one is going to be the release of Melvin Gordon. They got rid of him. And, oh yes, Chargers uh, legend. Chargers legend. But you know he's been he's he's been struggling. He's been struggling in the past and since he's since since he's left uh, since he's left the Chargers, he hasn't been the same Melvin Gordon that we saw. And you know he can 
You can say that's injury. You can say that's environment. You can say it's coaching. You can say whatever you want. But, um, you know, I'm sure that he'll find a home sooner or later somewhere because he still has a lot of talent. Hopefully he's not Todd Gurley 2.0 and he just gets thrown out of the league like this. But uh, you never know. But the Broncos suck. They are 3-7. and seven. How how did this like how did the Seahawks come out on top in literally every single aspect about that Russell Wilson trade? Like, if we go back to that episode, I called it. I said the Seahawks won. I remember posting the Instagram poll. I lots of people shout out Brady Stefanik. Me and him both said the Seahawks won that trade. And it's looking pretty good for the Seahawks. And I love to see it as an AFC West team or a fan. Love to see the Broncos and Raiders just sucking absolute. It will like the Raiders. The the Raiders suck in their own right, but then they beat another crappy team in overtime. So, I mean, make what you will. I thought the AFC West was going to be easily the strongest, and they got a couple of bums bringing up the rear end. And I'm sorry, Zach, the Chargers. They're not. They're not doing too too much better. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if they were healthy. I mean, also in all fairness. The the Chargers are the number one most injured team, like by quite a bit. Number two is the Denver Broncos. So I mean, I always bring up injuries for the Chargers. I think it's only fair to bring it up for the Broncos, but still, the Broncos are looking like a dumpster fire. While the Chargers are still losing these one score games to the Chiefs and the Forty Niners, etc. Yeah, the only and, bad stinker was to really to the Jags, and that was like just a bad, bad game. Yeah, but it's been a, it's been a, it's been a fun. I think we're at the midway point, or a bit over. I think this was week ten, so we are we just crossed the midway point for the regular season in the NFL, and it's getting it's getting more and more entertaining every week. You see these you see these new teams come out as as maybe playoff favorites, and then they fall, they rise, and you know this this is a this is a very 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 critical point for a lot of those a lot of those teams you know the chiefs the eagles the the most is a good team right now Dallas beating the Vikings that's a Yeah pretty... Dallas and Dallas and, and Minnesota you know so it's 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 a Miami is a new who had team. a hot start to the season to get uh to just get consistent right yeah, I think it's coming down to the wire. I mean, look at that AFC East that division, all basically six and four teams. Um, AFC wild card is gonna be a bloodbath. I mean, you got Cincinnati, Chargers, Dolphins, Ravens, um, you know, all those teams are fighting Patriots, um, Bills even. Um, yeah, I mean, it'll be fun to watch. This is this this final half of stretch of games is going to be very very big for multiple teams and uh, I guess even like for the Steelers to see where they draft like it's it's big for both sides and especially in a very good draft year, in my opinion. So it'll be very interesting, but you know what I mean. Absolutely, and um, before we get off of football in general, I just have to, have to give a big shout out to. A player that I don't want to say I called it because I mean anyone could have called it because I think he was the fourth overall pick, but Sauce Gardner, Ahmad Sauce Gardner, is arguably the best defensive back in football right now. He is undoubtedly the best rookie, and he might be the best. You know there there's some competition there, but there are very few in the NFL right now that can hold a candle to what Sauce is doing and. That's great. I'm 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 a big Sauce fan. I think uh, I think he certainly li- li- lived up to the hype as well. So I just had to get that out there. Defensive rookie well, of the year and defensive before, player of the year candidate. I'm calling it. Before we move on to NHL and NBA, sticking with the New York Jets, that was a stinker of a game. And then Zach Wilson <laughs> goes, they they ask him, "Do you feel bad for your defense?" He's like, "No, no, <laughs> like." If I was a little, like a, any defensive player on that team, I would hate him. I would hate him. God. Like, so, you have to acknowledge when he did bad, and they did so bad. It was not they just like, didn't score. It was that they had, like, three yards. total yards of offense. 
Yeah. It was ridiculous. Ab- ab- absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so rest in peace, me starting Garrett Wilson in one league, one fantasy league. That was bad. <laughs> But uh, moving on, we're going to do a little something different for the NHL and NBA since there's not a lot of major news going on. And instead of us just saying, oh, there's not a lot of major news, here's a little recap. We'll, we'll do something different. Me and Max have, uh, Max has five NBA teams. I have five NHL teams. And they're just some entertaining teams that we like to watch right now. Doesn't mean they may be, for me, my list can, includes like surprising teams. Teams that I just like watching, maybe have some electric players on them. And I'm not sure what your list includes. Um, but uh yeah, go back to a little bit of throwback to season one, more list based stuff. So Max, you wanna do you wanna kick it up kick, kick us off? Absolutely. So I think my number one team, I don't think this will be a surprise if you've been watching the NBA recently. They've been on an absolute heater with a couple of Big superstars, big up-and-coming superstars on their team. We got the Sacramento Kings, baby. They are, I think at this point, they're 10-8. and eight. They had a big win over, over John Moran and the Grizzlies tonight. And, uh, oh, they're looking good. De'Aaron Fox is looking like De'Aaron Fox of old. He's looking like that player that I know that he can be. He's he's he has the, he's the defensive minded guard. He can score at almost every level. And he's he's a, he's a, he's a playmaker at, at heart. And you have Zabonis, who's just that inside powerful score, a rebounder, and you know, d- defender at times when he needs to be. And they have a great team around him. They got Keegan Murray, who's been you know solid this season, not great, but uh, but uh, as 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 solid as the minutes that he's getting. And Malik Monk, you have Kevin Herter, you have you have Harrison Barnes. Like they have this, they have this team full of players that are very underrated to watch and very fun. Like Kevin Herter, like Zach. Zach, a- answer me this honestly. Have you ever watched Kevin Herter play a single minute of basketball? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah? Ball. Yeah, with the Hawks, man. Okay, yeah, okay, good for you. Good for you. I was just curious. He is one of the most underrated and exciting players to watch in basketball. When he has that ball, he is so swift. Like, his, his name should be De'Aaron Fox because he's swift like one. Like honest man, oh, like that swipe, yeah. swipe, <laughs> and uh, he can he can shoot. He's a really good playmaker for it too. He's got he's got red hair. He's fun to look at, and Efficious. he's he's just silky smooth. Like I really like I really like Kevin Herter. Malik Monk is that high flying, scoring at every level guard that you just love to have. The athleticism is off the charts. And you know this is the Sacramento team is finally fun. We're getting back to that Mike Bibby, Chris Weber era, and uh, and I'm 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 super happy. It's it's been far too long for Kings fans. I'm a Kings fan as well. Um, they're one of my favorite franchises in the in in the NBA, and it sucked to see them go go in this playoff drought for like 14 years or however long it is. Absolutely ridiculous time. And uh, I think that's going to end this season. And they've been proving it game after game, big wins after big wins, and chemistry's coming together. I'm excited to see what they'll do. So that's my, that's my first NBA team. Zach, give me your, give me your first NHL team. Well, I'm not gonna. That was a lot in depth right there. I mean, shout, shout out Kevin Herter, guy posts fishing Instagram pictures. <laughs> Love it. Um, How do you know that? You follow <laughs> Kevin Herter on Instagram? No. Um, you would know uh, a guy named Solomon Marco that we played basketball with. Oh yeah, I, yeah. Give us a stud, Evan Hardy, uh, legend right there. Um, his favorite player was Kevin Herder, <laughs> and he'd always show me Instagram pictures of him fishing. <laughs> Solomon <laughs> Solomon's favorite player was Kevin Herder. Yep. <laughs> I gotta respect that. That's actually pretty dope. So, right. anyways, um, NHL teams. It's got to be, we're streaking. They're streaking. The red hot New Jersey Devils. Shout out Tristan Mendig. The boy, what, what's the record? They've lost like three games this season. They can go 500 and make the playoffs this year. First in the Metro. Who would have thought? Not me. They had the fr- second overall pick last year. Simon Nemec isn't even in the NHL right now. They're 16-3. and three, No overtime losses. 32 points, lead the, the 
one of the best divisions in hockey. It has been the best division in hockey the past couple of years by eight points. Led by Nico Heischer. Led by Jack Hughes. Guys that are 23 and 21. Jesper Brass, Eric Hall, Andre Pilot, Thomas Tatar, Miles Wood, uh, Mikey McLeod, Ryan Graves, Dougie Hamilton. And yeah, unbelievable. Not sure about their goaltending. I really don't know which one of these guys is actually starting for them. Um, but you got to love it. The young youth energy. You got a guy in Simon Hemick who was the second overall pick last year, not even in the NHL. This team's got a bright, bright future. They're fun to watch. Jack Hughes is a beauty. Love to love to see it. The young hockey energy. Absolutely. That's the energy that that's the energy that the NHL needs. And uh I'm gonna give you my second team here. I don't think this should come as a shock to anyone, but the Portland Trailblazers have been one of the bounciest teams this year, and they've been one of the funnest to watch. Shaden Sharp, good Canadian boy, has been incredibly inconsistent. Like the definition of inconsistent. Oh when he, when he plays well though. Positive. <laughs> <laughs> when he plays well, he is one of the best players on the floor. He is so elite. He's one of the best finishing guards in the league. He can score at every level. He's a solid defender when he needs to be. And he has argued like some or um not arguably, but off the record, apparently he had a close to 50 inch vert. 50 inches. When so broke the record. Yes. So I think that I think that is off the record. Um, but he has so much potential. But uh Amford. Is it Afferney or Anferny? Anferny. Anferny Simons has been electric this season as well. You know, he's been continuing. He's trying to become that CJ McCollum 2.0 for Damian Lillard. I don't know if that's going to pan out, but uh, he's been super entertaining to watch. Nurkic, as much as I hate him, I really do hate him. He's just a, just he's so annoying. I see his face and I just hate him. But he is fun to watch, I will say. Jeremy Grant's been great. Josh Hart has a lot of heart on the floor. And, uh, this is all without Damian Lillard, so it's been uh, it's been a good time watching the Trailblazers. Yeah, I just see Shaden Sharp just dunking on everybody, and I love to see it. Don't I, don't actually know his stats. I was like, this guy's just dunking on everybody. Love to see it. Guy's got bounce. <laughs> He's electric. Um, here I'll rip through some of my hockey ones because I know I don't want to be sitting here talking. Number two, the Buffalo Sabers. Don't care. That they're second to last in their division. They're only 8 and 11. Don't care. Don't care. Rasmus Dahlin. Stud. Norris Trophy. Showing why he was the first overall pick. Consensus. Generational talent. The Swedish defenseman. Stud. You got Tage Thompson. Six foot six monster. Over a point per game. Herring. The Buffalo Sabres, out of their franchise out of the depth of hell. They're now relevant. Owen Power on that blue line. First overall pick, putting it together. The boys are rolling down in Buffalo. You love to see it. They're picking up the pieces. I think they're fun to watch. They're young, they're fresh. And their franchise isn't a poverty franchise anymore. And that that's what makes them exciting to me. Number three, Vegas Golden Knights. They said, you're counting us out? Fuck you. We got Mark Stone. We got Alex Petrangelo. You know, Jack Eichel's coming back, balling out. Good Canadian boy. Evan Hardy, alumni. Chandler Stevenson. He's also playing the first line. Love to see it. The Vegas Golden Knights are back. They're showing why they were Stanley Cup favorites last year. Number four. This is where, I mean, doesn't really get interesting. It gets kind of basic. The Boston Bruins, seventeen and two. If you're seventeen and two into nineteen games in any sport, you're just good. You're just good. Lots of people thought the Boston Bruins were going to take a step back. Patrice Bergeron was questionable if he was going to retire after last year. There's lots of question marks. They said, you know what, David Pasternak's back. 
Jeremy Swayman goes down. You know what? They say we got this guy named Linus Allmark. That's a solid 10 in between the pipes. The bees are buzzing. The bees are buzzing. They're electric. 17-2. Play some Barbie Barbie girl or whatever Posternock likes to sing. Then we go to my final team, number five. And you know what? I honestly didn't have a number five, but then I thought, you know what? Let's go Seattle Kraken. I'm going to get into the Seattle Kraken more after we finish this up because they made a move that I actually like and want to talk talk about it. They're third in the Pacific. They're better than the Flames. They're better than the Oilers. They're better than the Canucks. And then the Sharks and Ducks, I think people expect them to be better. But they're third in that division. You got Matty Beneers, young team, young, hungry team. You got Philip Grubauer back in there. They're electric. The fans are electric there. They're selling out the place in Seattle. You love to see it. They got a bright future there. Great draft this past year. The prospects are going to fall in. So I just banged out my five because I know for a fact I would have taken 20 minutes talking about those teams if I didn't rip them out. But Max, give me your last three here. Absolutely. So one team that I have to mention is, and I hate to mention it because I don't really like them, but I got to give them the respect, is the Indiana Pacers. They are a very young team. They've shown flashes of what they can do on the court, and it looks really entertaining. They have Tyrese Halliburton, one of the most explosive players and versatile players in the league, who's, uh, you know, I think he's a clear-cut all-star this year out, 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 out in the East. They have Miles Turner, who's been coming off some injuries, but he's been playing like a dog recently, getting those blocks. And uh, I think he's even averaging the most blocks in the league right now. He's been he's been outstanding. And uh, uh, oh, how could I forget another Canadian, Canadian boy, Thank Benedict you. Matherin? He's been amongst. He's been arguably the second best rookie this year so far, next to next to Paulo. Jabari hasn't been doing that great. He's been doing better than Keegan Murray. And uh, I really just think it's, I really think it's hey, him and Paulo. Like he's been outstanding at, at, at every level. You know, again, he's shown those rookie mistakes. He's shown his inconsistencies. Fine, fine. You know, whatever you can, you can doubt him for that. But I think as he grows, as he, as he grows and matures and, and this team grows and matures, he's going to just do like wonderful things uh, for the chemistry and who knows if they, if if they keep this core together, Indiana can can make some real noise. For my number four, you know, I might have to go a bit boring here. I don't really care, but I am totally in on the Bucks again this year. Milwaukee, they have they've had Chris Middleton out the whole year. They've had Javon Carter step up. They've had Brooke Lopez step up. They've had Bobby Porter step up. The environment in Milwaukee when they play. You want to cheer for them. Even if they're playing against your favorite team, they make you want to cheer for them. Giannis is been, has been explosive and, and talented and everything in between for the past five years now. And he, he's continuing that. Drew Holiday, has, is, he, hasn't, he hasn't lost a step. I don't know how old he is. He's probably old as shit. But he hasn't lost a step. He's still one of the best defensive guards in the league. He's been, he's, he's been absolutely balling this year. And... Um, um, like I said, Bobby Portis, he's been doing that. He's, he's been doing his thing alongside Brooke Lopez in, in the front court. But then you got Javon Carter. Drew Holiday goes down with an injury. You got Javon Carter coming in, being one of the best defensive players in the league, shooting shooting great numbers, being a pass-first point guard. He's he's everything Drew Holiday is. This team does not stop getting better. You have Grayson Allen, who brings that heart, that energy every game. You have Pat Connaughton, that flashy dunker. It's it. You just... Oh, you absolutely have to love it. I'm, I'm, I'm truly in love with, uh, I'm truly in love with them this season. And I think, I, I, I think, I think the Bucks can, can go all the way. I do. And, uh, for my last pick, I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta go with the team that I've been watching a lot this year that has to do with fantasy because I have SGA and Lou Dort on my fantasy team. And that's OKC. I think that they've been surprising people this season. I think people saw them as a, a bottom-tier team, and I think it's 
clear that they're not. They, I think they're just mid. And somehow that's a compliment for them, but it's true. Like even without their, even without Chet Holmgren, the number one or the number two overall pick, I still have SGA, who's an MVP candidate. SGA has been playing out of his mind. Incred- incredible boy. shooting splits. He's been scoring. Good Canadian boy. Everywhere. He's Canadian. We got a, we got the next we got the next Steve Nash. We got the Steve Nash of our generation coming up and you absolutely love to see it. This is the potential that I think that I think anyone in Canada could see. He has been amazing ever since he played for the Clippers. Then he went to then he went to OKC and he just every single season got better and better and better and he is, you know, front runner for MIP. He's been doing his thing. And then another good Canadian boy who's been doing his thing, being one of the best defensive wings on the game, Lou Dort. Definition of a 3 and D guy. Him and Shea got that chemistry. They got that Canada chemistry. They are they are a great duo. They're super fun to watch. And then you got a, you got a guy who's very unknown named Jeremiah Earl Robinson. He is the starting center for the Thunder right now. He is not very well known. He is a lights-out shooter at 6'9", as well. He is a great inside uh inside addition to that uh to, to to the front court of OKC there. He's he's flashy, he's fun, he's just one of those guys that 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 has that energy that you want. And OKC has so many of those guys. They have Kenrich Williams, they have they have uh Trey Wiggins or Trey Mann, Aaron Wiggins. They got they got they got a lot of guys here and I'm excited to see what they do. I think this is one of the most promising cores in the NBA right now. And uh, I'm excited, you know, to be quite honest with you. And, and yeah. But Zach, you have you have some uh, you have some thoughts you want to share on a. Speaking of Canadian boys, you have a thought you want to share on an upcoming Canadian boy, but on the ice, to tell us what you think of Shane Wright. Yeah, I I kind of hinted at it when I was talking about Seattle being electric. They've been very good this season, and that <clears throat> kind of limit limited. Number four overall pick, Shane Wright. Wasn't seen the ice, played only seven games, one assist. <clears throat> and Seattle, I think, made one of the smartest moves they can make in sending Shane Wright down to the AHL. Still getting that professional hockey. Um, And today, in his first AHL game, we'll get this, the Coachella Valley Firebirds, Max. Coachella Fa- Valley Firebirds. That's the team name. For, Sorry, for, say that again. Seattle's AHL team is the Coachella Valley Firebirds. Isn't that the most nope. interesting? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not even getting into it. <laughs> um. But anyways, he scored a goal in his uh AHL debut. I'm not sure if he got more assists or points or anything like that. Um, but he's got five games to play in the NHL because he's under 20. And then they can either put him back on the NHL or send him down to the OHL. Hopefully, they send him back to Kingston. Let him get his mojo back, get some playing time. I wish he could stay in the AHL, to be honest. I really do. But I don't think that that's going to happen. And if Seattle, you're just stunning, stunting his growth by keep, keeping him up there and playing him five minutes a game. So this got me thinking, if they send him back to the OHL, this man could be playing the World Juniors this year. And that is a very, very exciting thought. It's going to be in Canada. It's in Halifax and Moncton, I believe, are the two host cities, mainly Halifax. You get Shane right there, captaining the boys. He had a very disappointing last year's World Juniors. Let him get his mojo back. Let him go off during the tournament to have like an Alexi Lafreniere type tournament. Let him captain the boys, captain the squad, win a gold medal on home ice. Let him rebound, get his confidence back. I just think it makes all the sense in the world. And it just got me even more hyped for World Juniors. I, I finally saw the damn Boxing Day commercials. World Juniors playing the music. Starting Boxing Day. Oh, got my heart racing. Got my heart racing. Oh, it made me so excited. And then I was just thinking of basketball, Canadian basketball, Max. How that ba- Canadian basketball is going to be so fun. And they're going to keep on producing absolute studs. Oh, it got me so excited. It, it actually made me think about 
our soccer team too. World Cup soccer starts tomorrow. We play Belgium. First time in 38 years, Team Canada's in the World Cup. That'll be exciting. Hopefully they can make it to the quarterfinal matchup. Have you seen have you seen the World Cup matchups, Max? There's been some major upsets. Hopefully yeah, Canada. I, well, can pull I saw one up. I saw the American one. Um I saw a couple no, of ties. No, I saw they, Qatar they get their ass kicked. Um America, but I saw oh, right, I saw I saw the US and Wales tie, didn't they? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and and the then, Americans were like celebrating. And then Argentina lost to Saudi Arabia. Oh, I saw that. Saudi Arabia is actually making today a national holiday because yeah. of that. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, that's absurd. So, I my mind was racing there. I was thinking of World Juniors, World Cup. Oh, I love sports. I love them. I love them. But uh, I think we got to transition to uh, the ending here. We'll talk a little bit of MLB news and then wrap it up. Definitely. Sorry, I thought you were going to end the video. I just want to quickly, like I mentioned, talk about MLB. The Angels, they've been balling out in free agency. They know Mike Trout and, more, more importantly, Shoei Otani are not happy. Happy. What do they go out and do today? Trade for Hunter Renfro. Get a good power bat. Add to that team. They seem to do it every year. Add, add players. And then not make moves, but I think they're finally going all out. They realize Shohei isn't happy there. They want to get a big, big bat to help that team. And I'm happy. They're making the playoffs this year, Max. It's happening. And I'm so excited to see it. But that's and 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 Blue Jays. Bellinger might be coming up north. So that's really exciting. Look out for that. Look out for that. That's true. That would be great. That would be that that that, that would definitely be a lot of fun. But that's that's all we got for, for MLB, really. Hunter Renfro, though, I do agree with you, Zach. I think that's an underrated big acquisition, and they, they might be going. Who knows? But uh, we want to thank you so much for uh, tuning in for Episode 41 of Well Plays Cuss. We'll, uh, we'll see you next week, and uh, make sure to download BetStamp and use code WPC. Alrighty. Thank you so much. Like a bongo, I'm a to a net, yeah. I'm a to a tonsil.